Hello and welcome to Gully Boys of Cricket, the voice of fans. Gully Boys is a podcast where fans can speak their mind and also keep share the trophy request to ICC alive. I am your host Prakash Watwa and today we have Aaron Kumar from England joining us again and we continue our conversation on fairness, equality in cricket and also some of the recent events around England and world cricket. Welcome back Aaron, nice to have you again. Let's uh, continue our conversation from where we were last time the two of us talked. So we were talking about the West Indian tour to England. First of all, how is the situation in England? I hope uh, England is doing a little bit better with corona and then tell us about the cricket with West Indies being there. Absolutely. So yeah, first of all, good to be with you again Prakash and uh, be on the show. So yeah, uh, just a whole range of things to to cover. I mean, as far as the West Indies goes as you say back a month or so ago when we spoke, uh, we both didn't weren't really in favour of this tour going ahead. I personally still don't think it should be going ahead. As, you know, schools are barely opening back up again. There's a big debate about whether it's safe to do so. Non-essential shops have only just about opened back up and, you know, things are just gradually sort of starting to come back. But, okay, fair enough. Uh, our death rate has been decreasing which is which is a good sign but we still have the highest death rate overall in Europe we have the second highest in the world so you know I don't think we and other countries are easing out much slower than we are so I I don't think we should be in, in a rush um to get back into it but I I do feel very sorry if I'm being honest with you Prakash for for the West Indies players I think we need to spare a thought for them um because when I heard Johnny Gray the CEO of West Indies cricket talk a month ago I was very impressed I didn't know much about him but I heard him speak and he said just because the ECB, he, he more or less said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a bit now, but he said that just because the ECB were a, sort of a powerful force, Westerners were going to put their health first. And I thought that's that's fantastic to hear, you know, that he's looking after the players. But it does seem like money has spoken yet again, you know, because obviously if it didn't go ahead, we know that the ECB were going to lose 380 million, roughly speaking, uh, uh, new from, from Sky. Um and three players from the West Indies didn't obviously choose to go. Shimon Hetemeyer, Kimo Paul, Darren Brava, they all pulled out on, on, on health grounds. But I do feel sorry for a lot of the other West Indies players. They're between a rock and a hard place. They were given apparently 24 hours to make that decision. Now, to me, that's extremely unfair. We, you know, we talk about all that's going on in the world at the moment. We talk about the... I don't like bringing politics into sport too much, Prakash, but we talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. But the, what, what's at the crux of that is equality. You know, it's, it's about the equality and the fairness aspect of this across sport and across life. And when you look at the death toll we've had in this country, I mean, and we compare it to the populations in the Caribbean, and guys, let's face it, as much as they're told, um, you know, if you miss this tour we won't hold it against you. It's okay for the very, very experienced players, but if you're just making your way in the side and in a side which you barely get paid as anywhere near the amount of money of the big three and you just establish yourself, that is not an easy decision to have to make, you know? So I really do feel a lot of sympathy for them. You know, as a cricket fan, yes, we've got cricket back and that's good, but I think there's a lot more uh, issues here which probably uh, show the injustices. Uh, what were your thoughts, Prakash? I love the way you put it because you brought in Black Lives Matter in there and you put it so beautifully that at the core of it, it's about equality. It's about having you know fairness for everyone. And this case is no different. 
I did not know. I mean, that was really shocking that they had nearly just a day to decide West Indian players with so much at stake. Just seeing the images, you know, I've seen a few images, uh, them training with the masks and things like that. They don't give a very good feel. You know, I want to ask you back because you are there in that local environment. Cricket aside, how is the community going to take it? Are they looking forward to cricket? Because it's still a crisis out there. People are more worried about their well-being, about their health, about their family, about their jobs. Is cricket on their mind? Did they really want it now? Or could they have waited a couple of months? I think it's a really good question, especially because, um, just I'm not moving away from your question, but obviously sport in general, I mean, I know the premiership football is starting back um, and people are very happy in one sense. Don't get me wrong, because people are happy that they've got something to watch. I think there is that sense of, oh, we've been locked in for three months and there's nothing to watch. And so I think, and because this is a football crazy country, there, there is an element of, I would say relief that the premiership is starting back. Although a lot of people have said that, and I've spoken to friends that have said that as much as they're relieved to see the premiership starting back, it should have waited. It shouldn't be now. This is not the way to do it. Just for the sake of getting it back, this is not the way to do it. You know, cricket hasn't, for me, drummed up for all the trouble they're going to. I haven't heard that many people talking about this England West Indies series. You're absolutely right. You would think that for all the trouble they're going to, you know, these biosecure venues, having the players in quarantine, you would think that everyone would be talking. No one's talking about it. And to be honest, the few people I have spoken to about it have actually said, and they're England fans, that they feel terribly for the West Indies to have to come to a country that's this badly hit by a corona and to have to isolate for, you know, basically quite a month before uh, and then to not really sort of see any of the country and to be in that they sort of said they wouldn't be on board. I mean, just, and I know we've brought tennis into it and other sports. You look briefly at... Um, uh, Novak Djokovic, you know, the world number one tennis player. The US Open have now said they're going to go ahead. But just last week, there was talk about having to stay in, not go to Manhattan, um, to stay in the airport hotel, uh, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And, and Djokovic came out and said, if, if there were that many restrictions, you could only bring one player, one person with you. Tennis players usually, tra- though, at that level, as Djokovic would have a big team around him. And he said if there's that many restrictions put in place, as much as he wants tennis to come back, he's not sure that he'd be okay with making the trip. And okay, that got criticism in some parts, but you can on, there's two things to look at there. I know it's a different sport, but A, um, he's probably right, I would say, that you know it probably is too soon for, for the US Open, for England, West Indies, for all those things. But B, he has that voice as the world number one tennis player. He can, he can say that. A lower, you know, ranked West Indian player making his name. It's very, very difficult for him to say that. Plus the team element, he's worried he gives up his place. And then what happens? So I, I don't think it's a decision that the West Indies player should ever have had to make. I think I would have liked to have seen, especially for all that they were saying at the start, Johnny Graves and saying how it's not going to be governed by money. We know the ECB has more. I was very impressed initially. I thought this is all going in the right direction. Unfortunately, in the end, money has spoken. It's amazing um, you say that money has spoken because even the last conversation, it was with Darshit and Sapan. We were talking about a slightly different subject, the World T20 and the IPL. And there also, you know, the theme which came out was it's the money game. It's money extravaganza, the IPL. That's not good to hear because at stake is, you know, real lives of players because they also have families. They don't necessarily want to, you know, be pushed into making this decision. Personally, I would be 
comfortable playing if we can play normally i think we can we can if you're putting that quarantine condition if you're putting that isolation condition i don't know what's stopping us from playing just in a normal way after that beyond that point you know with that thought i want to bring in icc where is icc in all this like instead of giving a rule that you can have covid substitutes in july can you not ask a little more boldly that what is the point of the series like is this the right time you know i i question the power and the position of icc completely agree with that actually because you know as you say when it comes to the big events well even then they're not always to be heard are they with with the world cup but in terms of certainly bilaterals you would think that but two things just to add to first of all to kind of echo your point michael holding said something very similar he said if you are going to go to that trouble of having biosecure events you know the players are tested and we know that they haven't got it and everything's secure then actually why can't things be played normally and i think that's a very fair point because it's either for me you're either all or nothing i don't i don't believe in this kind of gray area stuff for me then even if the actual sporting quality is not compromised something's being compromised it doesn't feel right if it doesn't feel right it probably isn't right the second point just to kind of bring the west indies back into it a little bit in terms of the inequality and just to show you for me this has been a long running theme actually because one of the things that johnny grave said uh, when he was interviewed a couple of weeks ago was we proudly hold the wisdom trophy now that's something that was actually a good point they won it last year they you know the good win over england he said that we're not just going to go and kind of hand it over so to speak without the conditions and and everything being kind of fair so that's fine obviously the wisdom trophy is now going to go on the line and i don't believe it's probably the, the fairest um, way to do things you know to have but that's fine that's how it's happening but i also remember 2009 i believe it was um, when Sri Lanka was supposed to play England and for some I think there was a contractual dispute Sri Lanka pulled out the tour at the last minute and West Indies had just beat in England in 2009 as well in in the Caribbean so they just won back the Wisden trophy after 9 years at that point as a big thing for them and they agreed to do the ECB a favor because they were going to lose a lot of revenue there with Sri Lanka pulling out and they agreed to step in and play that series but I'm pretty sure if say an Australia had stepped in to play England for a t- and they held the ashes do you think they're going to put the ashes on the line with is it on if they're doing them a favor they're not going to do that they're going to play a test and just say we'll help you but West Indies in different conditions England early may put the put the wisdom trophy on the line for a match that they weren't actually going to play otherwise they were helping out they lost badly and that's the wisdom trophy gone in a month and I kind of thought to myself this is clearly an example of almost needing it i wouldn't say you know needing it so badly that you're almost going to sort of cut off your nose and spite your face if you were which which i feel really bad for the players because they're the ones who are getting affected and i almost it's almost like history repeating to some extent from what i'm seeing you know my mind thinks what should have been an ideal scenario here also reminds me of the indian tour to sri lanka so india is not touring sri lanka which is right next door what what is like how are these calls being made what's the driving thing it probably just gets back to that money and power thing like some people can't say no or they have to do it just to survive if we also bring in the world t20 like what's stopping icc from making a call it's about intent if you even take ipl out of the window let's say ipl was not even a question what would be our intent on world t20 would that be towards postponement or finding ways to making it happen is it the ipl which is actually pushing it towards postponement that's that's my key point so you know you basically begin to question what's driving all these things 
And if ICC is the center of all these things, where is ICC? Well, I think you're right. You'd have wanted to see the ICC having more of a, more of, especially as not only are they the governing body for, for world cricket, but especially in a situation like this, you'd have thought there'd be more of a balancing power as well, you know, between the ECB and between the WICB. So straight away, that, that should have happened. I mean, I think if people are like being told they most likely have to work from home till the end of the year, people that never work from home, but they have the capability to do so, schools are not really wanting to start back spin doctors are going to say yeah it'll put a smile on people's faces seeing the cricket this and that but i think what will put a smile on people's faces a lot more is knowing that people's health is getting better knowing that we've got a real grasp of this situation i think what this has taught us is we love cricket we love sport of course we do but fairness equality um our health to quite frankly have to come first, you know, to be honest. And I think that's what has been difficult for a lot of people to comprehend. Usually sport, don't get me wrong, is a fantastic distraction. You know, when we have a world crisis or something, sport unifies us often and sport. But I think in this case, what we're seeing is we're in danger if we're not careful of sport going in the other direction. Sport, you know, we talk about for the many, not the few, but we're in danger here of sport being for the few, not the many. You know, sport being used as a vehicle for the few people at the top but not really considering the people who are actually maybe sort of, uh, you know, behind it. So I think that that's a real danger here. Very, that's very well said. And also you mentioned the unifying force, the sport. And that's where I believe something like the World Cup can be a unifying force for a lot of the nations. One of the questions I asked uh, in the previous episode was something like the IPL, like uh, England cancelled the 100, which was a good move for me. Because these things... IPLs and the hundreds, these are more of, uh, I see them as a celebration of cricket. And in these tragic times, it's almost like, again, going back to the money thing. You're just doing it for making it happen. But is it the right time to have it? Probably not. Well, let's be honest, Prakash. IPL, I know they're talking about some sports behind closed doors. IPL behind closed doors is not really IPL, is it? I mean, that's, that's what kind of makes it. It's the atmosphere, the sort of the whole razzmatazz, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really be the IPL without that. As an outsider to IPL, World T20 versus IPL, what does that story tell you? We probably know World T20 is not going to happen. I don't know why ICC is postponing it. Maybe it was because of the voices started to come out. So they are basically showing that maybe they have an intent to do the World T20. But tell me what, what you make of everything that has happened. Perhaps it's the IPL that's kind of putting that postponement or that delay of the World Tour 20 but it certainly shows, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that, I, look, I love the IPL, I love watching it, but at the same time, for me, international cricket, an international tournament, that, that's your unifying force. You're absolutely right. A World Cup would be fantastic. But the fact that it does look as though, you know, as we said, the IPL is the big money spinner and that's kind of almost what's going to take priority and that you know it, it seems that way it certainly seems that way just by looking at the way things are things are going what one one thing i wanted to say okay, just on a slightly different topic if, if, if i may um sure. we, we talk about sort of uh you know share the trophy a lot and we talk about you know the ecb or the icc changing their minds i read a very interesting story today actually something completely different but it just kind of made me think Alan Jones, who actually played for England in 1970, played one game for England. And it was against the rest of the world um, at Lords because they should have played a five-test series against South Africa, but with apartheid and the kind of boycott, 
they played a rest of the world team captained by Gary Sobers. Now, two years later, the um, ICC stripped that match of of test status. The whole series, actually, they stripped of test status. They said because it was... A, and actually, Gary Sobers only agreed to captain the rest of the world on the condition it was given test status. So, um, Alan Jones, he didn't score many runs in the match. He got zero and five. He actually... The only match he played for England, he thought he had a test cap and he had it taken away from him by the ICC. So apparently for years and years and years, a lot because he, he was loved in Glamorgan, very prolific run scorer in Glamorgan. For years and years, um, Glamorgan players have been saying, this guy really needs to get a, get, a, get, a, get a cap. It's not fair. It's a great injustice. And you know, today, 50 years on, ECB have agreed that was wrong. And they've actually presented him with, uh, with the England cap and with the jersey. He's now officially an England cap player again. And uh, Joe Root made the, pre- made the virtual presence. So I thought, that, all right, we don't want to take 50 years, but that does show you that the powers that be can, can change their mind and see justice. That's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Some justice 50 years later. I, wa- I, I wonder what changed the minds. And just to, to add to that, I mean, I was reading some quotes from the, the guy himself, and he said that how it really de- was devastating, you know, because in his mind, he'd played a game for England, he didn't have that test cap. And now, I can't remember the number it was. It was 600, whatever the number was. He's now got that number. So he can always say he was that number cap player for England. But in the same way, you know, with the fantastic work you're doing and the team that share the trophy, as much as the New Zealand players are very humble and they'll, they'll play it down, you know, I saw a quote from Jimmy Nation the other day. They said, what would you do to change the, the World Cup result? And he said, pretty much everything. You know, so you know that, that it, it's something that's still, you know, they'll, they all, they're, they're very humble as people, from what I can understand. They're, they're sort of very gracious, but on some level deep down, and we're coming up to the year anniversary, but I'm pretty sure they'd have similar feelings to how um, Alan Jones felt in terms of that sense of injustice. True. I'm, I'm glad you brought in that example of Alan Jones and also on Share the Trophy. Not just us. I mean, people just feel that way. Like this is just a platform to keep it alive and we will do things which keep taking this issue forward in a timely manner. But I think people as a whole, cricket community as a whole, whether it is the Indians or Pakistanis or Kiwis or Australians, they see the wrong in that. Like one of the things you mentioned earlier in this talk, like you feel something is not right. And people feel that. And we're not taking anything away from England. We know England played fantastic cricket for for four years and and even during the World Cup. But, um, you know, as far as on that particular day, they weren't the best side. There were two sides that were equally as good as each other. And the numbers bear that out, you know, in terms of the runs. And, and I, I still feel to this day, Australia won five World Cups. India, when they won that 2011, they won two. We saw what a fantastic moment it was for India. Uh, remember Sri Lanka winning it in 96. You know, what, what a great moment that was for them. And, if, you know, this one just feels like, as you say, you've, you've said it very well last time, a, a box ticking kind of exercise. You know, they've kind of achieved something they set out to achieve, but there, there doesn't seem to be that kind of usual euphoria, that usual kind of, I know it's a year anniversary now, so it's being talked about a bit more. People are talking about the match, but I just find it interesting. Even I saw one of the broadcasters the other day um, talking about top 10 moments uh, on that channel for 30 years. And, you know, it was quite interesting because that was, of course, in the top 10. You'd expect it to be, you know, the country winning a World Cup. But every other point, sort of Lara's 375, the 153 against 
West, uh, against Australia in Barbados, that famous innings from Lara, Alistair Cook and his 100 in his first game. They were all debated, should that make the top 10, should it not? That one was just put in, but there wasn't even a sort of discussion around it. And I don't think that was in a way that it just zoomed in. I, I almost felt like I didn't really want to touch on that final too much because I felt if England had hammered New Zealand by 100 runs in the final, that would have certainly got more of a mention. So I just find that quite interesting. When England won the World T20 World Cup in 2010, I've heard more people talk about that final than I have about last year's World Cup. If this result is fixed and when it is fixed, you know, it's it's going to be more of a relief for England as well because the world can accept England as a true winner. Right now, you can put out posts, you can do things, you can try to prove to people that we won it. I'm talking from the English team perspective. But somewhere deep within, people who saw it, they don't completely feel that England won it outright. And that impression is not going to go away with time. I've noticed this, you've got two sets of people in this country. You've got the very genuine cricket fans, your purists, who actually say, happy that we've got the trophy, but agree it really probably isn't the way. You can't, you can't almost celebrate that because it doesn't feel like a win. You've got some who will just say, we won, we won, put their fingers in their ears and you can't really have a debate with, you know, that, that you, unfortunately you get such people in every walk of life. But um, um, I, I was just seeing a, a video on YouTube actually the other day where an England fan said he was at that game. And as happy as he was, he said when sort of they had the tie even, you know, when it was the tie, when they, Stokes got the run, his initial thought was we've, the game's a tie, so we've, we've, we share the trophy. So what, what, the, the point I'm making to that is if you support India, when Dhoni hit that famous six, you know, even as Sri Lankan or Indian, you know that's a decisive moment. We all remember it. You know when I believe Michael Clark hit the winning runs in 2015, you know that Australia have won the World Cup. Whereas here, if England fans themselves are in the stadium thinking they've shared the trophy, then I actually feel sorry for them in a way too because they haven't got that moment that fans of World Cup winning sides have actually had. They haven't had their decisive moment. In a way, it's kind of like on paper they've won it, but they don't really feel like they've won it. So it's a bit like... Um, it, you know, compare it to golf. I, I, there was a U.S. Masters many years ago, and I'm not a huge golf fan, so I'm sure some of my listeners will probably tell, tell us who it was. But I know there was someone who was about fifth or sixth on the leaderboard in the in the golf, and he was in the clubhouse. And then so many people, the, the four or five guys ahead of him, it was one of the most freakish things that could happen. I think it's about ten years ago now. It was probably the U.S. Open, and they all sort of bogeyed and they went below his score. So actually, he didn't. He didn't have that moment on the on the green where he was able to win the win the U.S. Open. Instead, from being fifth or sixth, he's out in the clubhouse having a shower or something, and suddenly he's the winner. So, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. He did win it outright. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm trying to say is that moment of joy is not ever going to be the same. And I feel, in a way, it's the same for the England fans and the players, even outside England as a cricket community you know you want to remember these genuinely grand moments by a feeling of joy happiness as you said you know but for some reason when we think of uh, 2019 world cup final you know there is there's a bit of pain or maybe more than a bit of pain in that moment so that's not how grand moments are remembered for or sporting moments are remembered as so Something that definitely needs to be fixed. We can't leave that wound on the game long term. Well, thank you, Aaron. That those are you know, a lot of different subjects we touched upon, from the West Indies tour of England 
all the money, the power game from World T20 eventually coming to share the trophy, which we're coming up to one year celebration or one year anniversary, not a celebration. It's not a celebration by any means. No, I really enjoyed it as, as always, Prakash. As I said, we covered some really sort of uh, great topics and uh, yeah, hard to believe it's one year coming up to the anniversary, but I think it's, uh, you know, I think hopefully it doesn't take 50 years like Alan Jones, but I think what it has shown us is that if you've got a belief and if you actually, if there's a, a core of people that have that belief, I think change, change can happen. I think we're seeing that actually forget Alan Jones and forget this for a second even look at what's happened on the wider scale, you know, with uh, what's going on in America and around the world. Change can happen, and I think maybe now's as good a time as ever. Absolutely. Well, that's very well summarized there, Aaron. Thank you again for your time. Always so nice talking to you. You know, fresh ideas from you, not only on England cricket, but world cricket as a whole. And thank you, everyone, for joining in on Gully Boys of Cricket. You can subscribe to Gully Boys on any of your podcast sources and also you can come and talk about things that matter to you. Thank you for listening to Gully Boys of Cricket. I will see you next time.